Hey everyone, welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles. I'm Kim. And I'm Joanne. And today we are going to be discussing all things medication. When it comes to medication, most of us are clueless. We live in a world where it seems that medication overuse is so common. Very true. So you go to the doctor, you report some kind of symptom, and it may seem like it's a bacterial infection and antibiotics are prescribed to you. Of course, you take them because that's what the doctor has recommended for you, right? Right. (laughs) On the other hand, Kim and I have both worked in the clinical world for years, and we see how patients are bombarded with tons of medications that they have to consume on a daily basis. And it's crazy because, you know, medications are supposed to help with one condition. They're prescribed for one condition. And then you end up seeing that another condition comes about because of that medication that this person had to take. So today we have Dr. Reese Eccles, and she is originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, but she spent the latter part of her adolescence in Birmingham, Alabama. She received her Bachelor of Science degree in biochemistry from Auburn University and her Doctor of Pharmacy degree from Texas Southern University. She is currently a pharmacist by day in the rehab and acute care hospital settings and a blogger by night in Houston, Texas. Reese is passionate about encouraging others to lead a healthy lifestyle, both mentally as well as physically. Welcome to the show, Reese. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So Reese, in the United States, we often, especially us um, like Kim and I who work in a clinical world, We often see patients who are on what it seems like millions of medications that they have to consume all the time. Can you define for us what pill burden is? Sure. So pill burden is simply just a way to quantify or to qualify the fact that someone takes a lot of capsules, tablets, or injections. Um, on any given day to treat the diseases or conditions that they have. So some people have a pill burden that's five medications a day total, or I've seen patients that have upwards of 30 or 40 medications on board to treat their Mm -hmm. common disease states. Um, Another way that this can be called in, you might hear something called polypharmacy, and that's the same thing as pill burden, how many medications a patient takes to treat the diseases or conditions they have. You have to be kidding me. You've seen patients with 30, 40 medications per day? Yes. Um, So uh, it's usually in unique situations where a patient has like some type of uh, genetic disease or like one of my patients had something called Bloom syndrome that put him into the propensity to have several different types of cancers. Um, And then his body, um, I think he had something for everything except for blood pressure. So cholesterol, diabetes, he was taking, you know, 50,000 units of vitamin D a day. Hmm. He was had a sun allergy. So, you know, if you see certain different genetic uh, malformations, you can see um, a lot of medications in patients. A lot of times, sometimes you can see people for, with 30 or 40 medications because 
and I may be going off of topic, but this is something that happens. Um, when people aren't adhering to their medications, when they go back to their doctor, their mm -hmm. labs may change and it looks like their disease has gotten worse when mm -hmm. really they weren't taking the medications that they had on board correctly. So then they get another tablet or another capsule to treat the same thing. So then it starts to add up little by little. That wow. is, yeah, that's crazy, isn't it, Joanne? Very crazy. So let me ask you this, Reese. You know, I've always heard an ounce of prevention is better than like a pound of cure. So when I think about pharmacists, you know, as a dietitian, um, I kind of think of them as really like the last resort to illness. Like, is this true? And like, what role can pharmacists play when it comes to prevention? Yeah, so... I think that um, when we talk about like chronic illnesses, I believe that's true. Um, so like things like high blood pressure, mm -hmm. high cholesterol, mm -hmm. diabetes, those types of things. I think that that's 100% true. Um, but when I think of like, you know, pharmacists in the community setting, sometimes the pharmacist can be the first line, um, like for a common cold or seasonal allergies, things like that you don't ne necessarily have to go see your doctor for. So in those types of cases, like in helping people pick things over the counter um, to manage itching or creams and things like that, I think pharmacists are good frontline um, healthcare professionals. But um, as far as like chronic or preventable, more preventable diseases, I think that pharmacists should be like the last resort because there's a lot of things that you can do to modify those diseases early on. And as far as like what role pharmacists play um, when it comes to prevention, um, I really think pharmacists are like the most accessible form of healthcare, and and it's a resource that people should use more often when people have questions again, like you know, what vaccine should they be getting because a lot of times people get their vaccinations at their at the corner of happy and healthy or you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> at their three-letter pharmacy you know so when you have general questions about health i think pharmacists are where you should start that conversation um i know i hear a lot of times from older pharmacists that the norm used to be that people would go to their pharmacists first because they could just get in talk to them not pay a copay um, and somewhere along the lines, you know, that's changed. And I think it's something we should get back to. That is mm -hmm. true. Because, you know, right on the corner of Happy and Healthy, I was there last week and I was standing in line waiting on um, a medication of mine. And uh, they were like, oh, are you here for the pharmacy console? And then like I looked off to the corner and like there's this whole little room set up. And I was like, wow, look at this. I found that to be very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really cool. I think it's a, a awesome um, resource that people should really use. Um, I think the more conversation you have about your health in general, the better you are as a person in, in taking ownership of your own health. That is true. That is true. Informed decision making, because I know like a lot of like nowadays, you know, when I see patients like as a certified diabetes educator and I'm like, OK, what type of insulin are you on? Like, oh, I don't know. What do you mean? Mm. You, what do you mean you don't know? Right, right. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. How are you managing this? Right. I think that's the most frustrating because when you take that type of approach, it's kind of like things are happening to me instead of happening for me. Mm. And so, even knowing what type of insulin, it makes a big deal because even though we say, "Oh yeah, I've got my insulin is treating my diabetes," it's important to know which type of insulin that you're using. Is it a 
regular insulin? Mm-hmm. Is it um, just a regular humalog? Is it a mixed insulin? Is it a long acting? Is it a short acting? And if you have both, do you know which ones you're supposed to use when? So those are the types of questions that need to be asked by the patient. And if they aren't, as the healthcare providers or the diabetes educator, it's important to make sure that they understand the differences so that they aren't harming themselves. You don't want to take your long acting insulin before meals. It, you know, if you have a short acting insulin also. So you want to make sure that you have those things clear so that you're not, you know, harming yourself as the patient. Right. So guys, Kim and I's third co-host is here with us today, my five-month-old. So <laughs> yes. if y'all hear any cooing, this is him. So, so Reese, I totally agree with what you said before in regards to acute conditions and medication usage versus chronic usage of chronic conditions and medication usage. So with that being said, in our field of nutrition, there's a statement that is often used, um, and that is food is medicine. Now, this is very controversial because some people are very much against it in our field. And some of us, like myself, do believe that food can be used as medicine. And this is not to say that I believe that food can be used as medication, but I do believe that food is medicine of a sort. So what do you as a pharmacist think about that? Um, So I want to just piggyback off of something that you said. You said that you think that food is medicine and you don't think that it's medication. And I think that's important because I think sometimes in our social media age, we get really hung up on you know, we'll eat so much cassava or so much ginger root and that's going to cure, you know, your diabetes. And that's that's not true, in my opinion. (laughs) Disclaimer, I'm not giving medical advice. I'm just (laughs) stating my opinion. But um, I think that that notion food is medicine just needs to have an asterisk at the end. I think that food used as fuel is medicine. Like it's helping your body perform optimally. But in some cases, food is poison, especially when you have a genetic predisposition to certain medications or conditions, I mean, certain diseases or conditions. Mm -hmm. So if I know that in my family, high blood pressure runs in my family, if I'm eating salty foods all the time Mm -hmm. and increasing my intake of sodium beyond not only the daily limit, but the limit for my family, then I'm putting myself at risk of having high blood pressure sooner because I'm not, I'm using the food as a poison instead of eating um, healthier options for me, if that makes sense. So I think it's a double-edged sword. I think the right food for you is medicine. I totally agree with that. And I mean, in the same um, sense, you know, food usage chronically, like I would never recommend someone to alternate food over a medication that a doctor prescribed in an acute situation that's going on, that's totally crazy. That's ludicrous for somebody to do that. Right. I think, I mean, there's, there's a place for medicine and I think there's a place for a healthy diet as well. But I mean, if we're being honest, like we're aging, we're constantly aging. And as we get older, you know, the foods can help, but the foods aren't going to prevent certain diseases that are going to come along. Like, for example, your heart is a muscle. Um, The older you get, your muscle tone becomes less and less. So with that 
same mindset if I'm, you know, a hundred years old, like for example, I have my great grandmother, she's going to turn 100 in August. It would be foolish to think that she could eat her way away from um, high blood pressure. That's Mm -hmm. not reality because she's been using her heart for a hundred years. So, you know, there's, you know, a thought that, you know, she would need some type of blood pressure medication because Mm -hmm. she's just gotten older. And I mean, and that's just the fact of life. Um, So to say that food can cure certain things, I think is misleading. Hmm. I like that. With that question, let me ask this. So is, you know, the line of work that you do, would you say, and I know we had an offline conversation about this, would you say that medicine, medication is the easy way out, quote unquote, when it comes to managing lifestyle diseases? Mm, That's a good one. Yeah. So I really think it is. Um, we're in a convenient society, right? Like you can get stuff Amazon Prime, you can go through the drive-through and mm-hmm. it is so much easier to go through the drive-through and pick up a, a medication than it is to um, take a walk around the neighborhood, like mm-hmm. consciously do these things or to take the stairs inside instead of the elevator. I think medicine is a beautiful thing. Let me say this, like, like just put that out there. I think medicine is a beautiful thing. I'm grateful for medicines because they can fight off diseases that would otherwise take us out, you know? Right. Um, but for things that we can manage by increasing exercise and getting a better handle on food, um, I don't think it's worth the risk of side effects when we can potentially prevent them all together. Like, if I know that I can decrease my likelihood of having hypertension by exercising 30 minutes a day and making sure that I reduce my sodium intake, you know, just simply flipping over the things that I pick up in the grocery store and looking at that sodium column and understanding how to read food labels. Um, I would much rather do that than take something else that can introduce potentially another problem because, you know, every medication you know, it can treat one thing, but it can cause other side effects. And you don't know what those are until you start taking the medication. So if I can avoid that for as long as possible, I want to do that. So um, I think sometimes people get in the mindset of, you know, well, if my blood pressure is high, there's a medication I can take for that. And I think that that's inappropriate because there's some, a lot of times a lot of things that we can do in our day to day to help prevent some of these things altogether. Interesting. So Do you think that food and nutrition can play a role in reducing pill burden and how you define pill burden earlier? Absolutely. Um, In lifestyle diseases like Mm -hmm. hypertension or type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. um, And let me just say this, because this isn't something that I mentioned. Some people have a genetic predisposition to certain conditions like high blood pressure or hypertension. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some people are born with type one diabetes. And I'm not mm-hmm. speaking on these people because they absolutely need medications to manage those diseases. Right. But in lifestyle diseases like uh, hypertension caused by high sodium intake or type two diabetes due to you depleting your body's insulin stores, I think it's very important. Um, being mindful of the choices that we make in regard to sodium and added sugar. And I'm just picking on those two. There's other things like cholesterol, but we're not getting all off into that. And um, that's a huge difference in the t- in terms of how your life plays out, in my opinion. That is true. I did like the fact that um, you said earlier, Reese, that, you know, we're in a microwave society. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's so easy for us to pick up like, you know, a beta blocker or... 
um, a blood thinner to manage whatever disease may be on board. But, you know, it's really hard for people to say, okay, you know, I'm going to dedicate that 30 minutes of exercise on a daily basis to reduce my weight, to reduce my blood sugar, to reduce my hypertension. Um, I do, I do like that. I do like the fact that as a pharmacist, that that's something that you do recognize. Cause I know like the pharmacist, other pharmacists that I've dealt with, I haven't heard them say what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So this is for me, it's like, wow, finally, someone that gets it. So let me ask you this question. So like in your experience as a PharmD, what are the two most common medicines you've seen dispensed to patients and what specific diet and or lifestyle changes can reduce the amount and even the dose of these medications? Yeah. So most commonly I see patients come in if they are a new start on medications, there's lisinopril, which is a blood pressure medication Mm -hmm. and metformin, which is for people that have prediabetes or have been diagnosed with type two diabetes. So again, it's diet and exercise. Um, while I would love to see people come back, you know, to me at the corner of happy and healthy, which I'm not there, but you know, um, but I, you know, you get excited about seeing these people on a regular basis. But I would much rather you come in um, just to say hi and not to be picking up these medications, especially if I see that you're someone that is overweight. And, you know, and you're young, like there's things you can do to help manage these diseases. I'm not saying that it, you know, will reverse it right away because it took years for you to get to that point. But there's ways that I've seen people come off of medications by making changes to their diet and -hmm. increasing their exercises. You may not think that five or 10 pounds is a big deal, but it really is. It, It decreases the amount your body has to work to do its regular functions. And you don't think about those things. Like, you know, if I was 10 pounds lighter, you know, I could run easier because my body, I'm not carrying as much weight on me. You know, if I'm eating healthier foods, I have energy without having to drink a pop or, you know, a Coke because everybody's not (laughs) familiar with pop, but I may not need an energy drink or things like that, um, that are introducing, you know, carbonation into my body and things like that, because I'm getting the fuel that I need from the food that I'm eating. So Reese, I work a lot in digestive health in my private practice. Mm -hmm. And even in the clinical setting, um, we'll see patients who end up with some kind of digestive issue, whether it be um, they develop severe or persistent loose stools due to being prescribed antibiotics. Um, Mm -hmm. And in in the non-clinical setting, I'll see people who develop, who have overuse of birth control pills. Um, They've been using them for years and then they end up with issues digestively. Now, is this something that you've seen in your um, line of work and what can you say in regards to that? So you mentioned something earlier about speaking to pharmacists who didn't have a similar, a similar thought process. And I just want to speak to that before I answer your question while I'm thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> but um, so I've had the ability to work as what's called a medication therapy management or MTM pharmacist. And um, I just want to put this out there for anybody that might be listening that has a loved one or a parent or a, you know, a grandparent who has Medicare or Medicare is available to them. MTM or um, med review, med check, 
uh, complete medication review is something that is available to all of these people. Um, and you get, and it's free to you. Um, you just let your health plan know that you want somebody to review their medications. And mm. at that point, a pharmacist will reach out to you and all you have to have have with you is a list of your medications and what the pharmacist does since they are the drug expert they know how those medications play with one another they understand how those medications link to the different lifestyle diseases or chronic diseases that you have and they can tell you how to best optimize those medications and so when you ask that question it made me think about it and I'm pretty sure it's available to people that aren't aren't as old um, but you just have to call and ask so that you can get those services used for you because I know that health plans um, employ pharmacists for that reason so that the patient is more or their to them their member is uh, covered so there's that so tying that into your question um, with the digestive issues um, I think it's important for you to have that conversation with your pharmacist if you know that you're experiencing, you know, frequent loose stools. Is it because you're take or you know whatever the digestive I- issue mm-hmm. is? Are you having chronic UTIs? Is it because you're taking a diabetes medication that causes you to um, essentially pee out the sugar and that's causing mm-hmm. you to have the chronic UTI? So you're mm-hmm. constantly taking antibiotics. So that's a conversation that you need to have so that. You can start seeing what things can I do in my day-to-day life to maybe get this medication off. Is there a better option for me? Um, So I think just having those type of informed conversations help people. I can't say in general that, you know, if you talk to your pharmacist, you'll get rid of this medication. But what I can say is by talking to your pharmacist um, and explaining, you know, the symptoms that you've experienced after taking certain certain medications and letting them see the full scope of what it is that you're taking, it can always help you um, in order to get off of a medication because a lot of times there are multiple options. Mm-hmm. So just because you take one medication to treat, say your diabetes, there can be another drug in a different classification that mm-hmm. does the same thing without giving you those side effects. And I think anything that you take long-term has a higher potential to give you unwanted side effects. So if you take something for, you know, a week, it's not going to affect you the same way as something you take for several years, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So I think, again, it's, it's up to the patient to be their own advocate and ask the questions. Um, As soon as those things uh, start happening, you need to start asking questions. And I can give something from my own personal experience so my husband had some symptoms that he thought were very weird. And he's like, I'm not understanding why I'm experiencing this. And immediately he went to his doctor and um, was able to go in and have a colonoscopy. And he had early detection of colon cancer. Wow. And so just by having the mindset of something's not right, let me ask questions that helped um, get him early care in his condition. So if I'm always an advocate for you being an advocate for yourself. <laughs> right. If that makes sense. It does. And you know, mm-hmm. Reese, I, I think it's also a generational thing. Cause I know like with like the baby boomers versus millennials, like baby boomers from what I have observed, you know, the doctor or 
whoever their primary care provider is, nurse practitioner, PA, they don't like to ask questions, you know, but I feel like with millennials and maybe even the younger generations, we're like questioning everything. So I do like the fact that you did say, you know, ask questions, be your own advocate. This is happening to you. You're not like standing outside in a bubble and having all these people make decisions about you for nothing. So I, I do appreciate and like that, like the fact that you're promoting that. Yeah, I'm always, always be an advocate and always see what's available for you. Don't think that everything comes with a cost associated with it. Like we are in the entrepreneurial resurgence and I love that. But just because something is available to you does not mean that it's not complimentary. Um, Just as much as you want to be healthy, your health plan wants you to be healthy. Yes. Because it costs them a lot less money for you to be healthy than for you to be on every medicine underneath the sun. So it's an added benefit for you to be an advocate for yourself. That's so true. You know, I was just thinking to myself how I had this conversation with my mom like the other day in regards to the pharmacies that she go to. And that's plural. And I was telling her, um, you know, mommy, the pharmacist is the medication expert, you know, your, your doctor prescribes the medication, but going to all these different pharmacies, it's not really productive for you because one person doesn't know the other medication that you're taking that you, um, fill out at this other pharmacist. So I was telling her how it's best for her to fill all her medications at one pharmacy so that the pharmacist can know and say things like, well, you know, let's ask the doctor if there's something else you can take because these this is contraindicative for with this medication, whatnot. And I'm I'm a very like I, I like to ask a lot of questions. Like if I go to my pharmacist, I'll ask her questions in addition to whatever questions I may have asked my doctor. Because in my mind, pharmacists are the medication experts mm-hmm. and they know more about right. what's going on with different medications than my doctor does. I completely agree with that because a lot of times, like it may seem like, oh, I only take five medications. You know, so if I get two here because they're cheaper and I get three over here because I like Sally better. So I want to see her, too. You know, that's all fine and good until something happens to you. Mm-hmm. So it's important to make sure that if you can, you can get all of your medications in one place because I can't see an interaction that I don't know about. Right. So if I only see three of your medications and you're taking two over here, um, one, I don't know whether or not you're taking medications that are in the same class and you have a duplication of therapy because maybe your primary doctor gave you one thing and your cardiologist gave you another thing but and there's and they say two different names but they could very well be the same medicine and you're taking two of them then you're putting yourself in, in danger of you know having a, a, a adverse drug event or mm-hmm. um have something happen to you that you would not like um because you're taking duplicate medications so Um, It's important that you have those conversations that your pharmacist knows exactly what you're taking Um, and not to be pick, not to pick on the physician, but because sometimes they just don't know. And if they're not aware and your pharmacist isn't aware, there's nobody there to help protect you. So um, it's very important to make sure that you're being clear and not just saying, oh, well, you know, it's just the over the counter aspirin or it's just the over the counter calcium. Well, Mm -hmm. if you're taking a medication that binds the calcium and then it stops working, what good is that to you? And I think a lot of times people think if I buy it from the aisles on the shelf, that's not a medication. 
but it is. Right. Additionally, also people think, you know, if it's a herb like St. John's or um, uh, ginkgo, then it's not going to affect me. And I'm like, "Uh, no, it is. It does. It does. It really does. There are a lot of things, a lot of herbals that people take, and it's very important to share those things. I think they're wonderful. If they work for you, I think that's great. It's also something to be mindful of that those medications, just because they are not regulated um, by the FDA the same way that ones behind the pharmacy window are, it is important that anytime that you're putting something foreign into your body, that you share that with your healthcare professionals because not, those herbs don't always play well with your prescribed medications all the time. Mm-hmm. So again, I can't help you if you don't tell me everything. Like, um, and so a lot of times if I'm talking to a patient, you might hear me. If you were to follow me around, you would hear me ask the same question in multiple different ways because every time I ask that question, even though I'm asking the same question, uh, what medications do you take? Okay, so when you get up in the morning, what's the first thing that you take? Okay, so um, at lunchtime, is there anything that you take then? Like, it sounds like I'm asking the same question over and over again, but you would be surprised how many different variations or how many medications I can extract from a patient by asking multiple different ways because they don't realize that it's a medication. Oh, it's just my St. John's work. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's ginkgo, you know, <laughs> but I'm on blood thinners. Right. So, <laughs> those, all those things are very important. Yeah. And, I, you know, as a Caribbean, that's something you see a lot. They don't realize the that, you know, taking all the herbs. And I grew up, you know, with that kind of lifestyle, being Haitian-American. And, you know, a lot of times, even today, my mom doesn't realize the contraindications with the herbs that so-and-so told her to take with the medications that she's taking for um, her blood pressure. So yeah, I I see that a lot um, going on. So, you know, to wrap this up, since we are dietitians, um, Kim and I, can you tell us how dietitians can help the the pharmacist, help the pharmacist's job um, be easier? How can the two of us work together? So I'm so glad you asked that. Um, So I've been able to work in a lot of different settings. And the one that I like the most is where I was working, like I said, in the MTM or medication therapy management. Mm -hmm. And um, throughout that, you know, interview, if you will, when I'm talking to the patient, I hear things, I ask them like, so how do you take your medications? And they usually will say, you know, like I eat my breakfast and then I take this, or I take this and then I eat my breakfast. And then I can hear a lot about like the way that they eat in the way that they um, do things. I am a medication expert. I am not your dietitian. I, I can't tell you, you know, exactly how to eat. So um, one of the things that I used to do was rely on the dietitians that we had on staff at the health plan. And they were able to make wonderful um, resources for these patients. So when I sent out information about the medications, I could also send out information about things that they should do, how to read food labels. Like that's a big thing. Like um, if you don't understand what's in your food, you don't understand how to take, you know, how to live your daily life um, with having these diseases. I learned from a dietitian that, you know, sodium can be hidden in a lot of places. And I keep talking about hypertension, but, or blood, high blood pressure, but it's something that plagues our communities. And so one of the things she said was, Hey, you know, if you like, corn and you don't like to buy it from the cob, can you get the frozen kind instead? Because that doesn't have the sodium that's needed to hold it in a can. 
Mm -hmm. So that was big for me. Um, so then I, I was telling all of the patients, everybody that had high blood pressure, like, hey, do you, can you get the bro frozen kind? It costs 50 cents more. It costs a dollar more, but it has way less sodium. So those different types of things are things that need to happen. And I think it's important that, you know, understanding where your resources are. Um, so if I work in the hospital, like knowing where my dietitian is, if I see a patient that could utilize that resource, resource I'm going to be an advocate for them to get that consultation so that they, because I don't want them to come back to me <laughs> um, in the, in the hospital. Like I would want you to go off and live happily ever after um, because you have all the tools you need to better manage the things that brought you to us in the first place. Yes, Reese. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, um, we can, as dietitians, play a major role in, you know, the clinical setting and supporting what you guys do. And, you know, I always say, especially in a clinical setting, it's a, there's no one person that's more important than the other. You know, we all work together to help the patient reach their goals. So I definitely agree with what you just said. You know, we are so happy to have had you here today and to answer these questions for you and put clarity on a lot of the questions that I know our listeners have about medications mm -hmm. and what pharmacists do. Um, so can you tell our audience how they can reach you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I can be reached. Uh, my email address is reesespieces at gmail.com. Um, and I think that'll be in the show notes. So you yes. guys can reach me there. Um, yes. A lot of people reach out to me and ask me questions on Instagram, which is reeses.pieces um, on Instagram. And I'd be happy to answer any questions that anyone has in regard to, you know, medications, if they have any um, concerns. And I mean, I just want everybody to feel like they, you have a voice um, when it comes mm -hmm. to your healthcare. Um, mm -hmm. If you look around your neighborhood and you see more pharmacies than you see grocery stores, you need to ask questions or consider, you know, <laughs> moving around to where you have healthier options available to you and making sure that when, if you are a healthcare provider, that you're asking these questions of your patients and how you can help them to reduce the number of times they're going into the pharmacy for chronic medication or chronic prescriptions and that their pharmacy visits can be more centered, centered around coming in when they have acute cases like a cold or a flu or um, something like that. And I think that that will make a, a big difference. Definitely. And also, Reese, don't you have a blog as well that you want oh, to? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I have uh, Reese'sPieces.com. Um, and it is a blog. Um, if you hop over there, you can, I talk a lot about just encouraging people to, you know, live their dreams and to um, know that failure happens, disappointment happens, but it's just part of the process and it doesn't mean the end. So um, disappo disappointment doesn't mean stop. <laughs> disappointment means, you know, I have some more to learn and that's what my blog is about. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, there's some fun stuff over there, how we can, you know, have a life, you know, it's the prescription for lifestyle and the budget um, because, you know, <laughs> we need to be mindful of those things as well. And sometimes you can find some healthy recipes with some alternatives there because I think it's important to showcase that you can eat good food without, you know, it being fried, dyed, and laid to the side. <laughs> Well, thank you so much again. And guys, if you want to connect with Reese, uh, go ahead and look at our show notes and make sure that you hop on over to her various platforms and show her support because I mean, it's all dis interdisciplinary. Well, yeah. 
Thank you for listening. And as usual, remember to give us five stars and leave us a comment. We want to know if you guys are listening. And the only way we know if you guys are listening is by your comments as well as your feedback. Also hop on over to our Facebook page, Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne, where the conversation continues. Until next week. Bye guys. Bye.